This is the Birth, Baby, and Life Podcast with Kristen Burgess, and we're flowing with milk in episode number 136. Welcome to the Birth, Baby, and Life Podcast, the tips, tools, and straight talk you want for pregnancy, childbirth, and bringing up baby. And now your host, Kristen Burgess. Hi, mamas and daddies. It's Kristen from naturalbirthandbabycare.com. And this week on the podcast, we are going to talk about what to eat for abundant breast milk. Last week, we had an amazing interview with Lily Nichols about how to eat for pregnancy. If you missed that, you definitely want to go back and listen to that. It is a must listen. And this week, we're going to talk about food and how that impacts your milk and your milk supply. One of the things that I think is really important to remember is that your milk is what you eat. Now, it's true that moms make breast milk under the most dire of circumstances. And in situations where there's poverty-stricken nations, war-torn countries, and that sort of thing, uh, often a mom's milk is very vital and life-saving to her baby and It's amazing how the babies can grow on that milk. I also think it's really, really important to encourage women to breastfeed. Uh, I am definitely in the breastfeeding camp. I'm not really in the fed is best camp. I mean, I realize that there are reasons that moms may need to supplement. Sometimes we have had a client recently who... um, who's just had a really challenging experience with nursing her baby and has had to do some supplementation. So that happens. And for that baby, yeah, definitely supplement. But I feel like many women are told that they can't breastfeed or that they have low milk supply. Uh, And they're just, you know, they're not really given, uh, given the support that they need. And they're, they're even taught things that are completely wrong about breastfeeding. And we'll talk about this a little bit more closer to the end of the podcast. But basically, I feel like I feel like with everything, women deserve to know the truth. So women deserve to know, for example, if you've listened to any of my podcasts on birth, you know that I feel pretty strongly that women are really powerful and that birth is a powerful and even a sacred experience. Uh, And that a woman should be able to step into her power uh, and really seize that and really let her body do what it's supposed to do. Let her do. I mean, it it was um, on my recent podcast with Sarah when she said, you know, like the, the, or maybe I don't remember, but somebody was talking about, you know, a pregnant woman's body is maybe this was at a workshop that I was at. A pregnant woman's body is her. So like that power that your body having, you and your body knowing what to do while birthing your baby, you know, that is you. That's you. Like your body isn't some separate entity from you. If your body has that power, you have that power. And anyways, anyways, I'm getting off on a on a rabbit trail here, but women need to know. You you deserve to know. And you deserve to know the good, the bad, and the ugly, so to speak. So you need to know that, like Lily was talking about last week, food choices that you make may positively impact your baby, and there are also some that are going to negatively impact your baby. I mean, we know that if you eat McDonald's and Twinkies every day, it may have a negative effect on your baby. And everybody, everybody will admit that. Like, everybody will admit that. But If you follow the standard dietary recommendations to eat a low-fat, high-carbohydrate diet, 
there's a chance that that's going to harm your baby too. And that's one that people are like, whoa, Kristen, you went too far. You stepped over the line. But no, I didn't step over the line because you deserve to know the truth. I I might try and introduce it gently. I'm definitely going to try and introduce it mostly respectfully. Those of you who listen to the podcast know I'm, I'm pretty opinionated. But, you know, I'm going to try and come across in a way that helps you be open to the truth. But I also don't want to try and sugarcoat it or hide it from you because that's disrespectful to you. And so this, let's get back on the subject of breastfeeding. I've, I see breastfeeding in a similar way. A lot of people want to sugarcoat truths because they want more women to breastfeed. And I don't think that we should do that. I actually, this has been years ago now, but there was a big brouhaha because I wanted to write um, a post to be included in a collection of posts on breastfeeding. And I wrote about uh, vitamin D and and how like a mom's diet could influence the vitamin D content in her milk. And like they wanted me to edit my article and stuff and, and kind of tone it down. And I just didn't want to. I felt like it was it was wrong to try and keep that from women. But they were afraid, oh, it'll discourage somebody from breastfeeding. And I, I don't want to do that. But at the same time, I don't want to withhold information that's important to you and your baby's health. And I mean, so... I guess we could say that if a mom decides to eat McDonald's every day is and and that you know she makes McDonald's milk is that better than formula feeding? I mean, I feel like we could probably argue that because breastfeeding goes well above and beyond just the nutritional content and the body is going to take even that pretty rough nutritional input and make nutritious milk. But if you decide that I'm going to listen to information on how to improve my milk quality and how to improve my milk quantity uh, and make even better milk. You know, you you deserve to know that. I shouldn't not tell you about that just because I'm afraid of um, of offending McMama, you know? I'm not going to do that. So anyways, enough. I'll get down off the soapbox now. I just wanted to let you know I'm going to, you know... I'm going to tell it to you straight. Your milk is what you eat. And your milk is pretty good if you have a pretty good diet. And your milk will be great if you have a great diet. And on some days, I mean, y'all, on some days, my diet is pretty good. And there's probably some days that my diet is pretty bad. But overall, on the whole, we want to strive for good food. And just like in pregnancy, one of the things one of the happy results that happens if women start focusing on um, eating well and on, a, you know, a nutrient-dense diet and things is often you stick with that and, and it benefits you in the long term for health. So the hope is, is any habits and changes that you make in your diet that are healthful now are are habits that will be good for you going going forward that will help you stay healthy and energetic as a mom and help you be there for your kids and as you start feeding them solid foods making good food choices for them so it's not like we're just necessarily artificially inflating our diet to breastfeed but we're making sure that we have the most nutrient dense diet possible because it makes the best milk which makes the healthiest babies which makes the healthiest moms which, and that's, you know, that's what I'm all about is healthy moms and babies. 
So think about it when you're eating and there's going to be days that you splurge and you're going to be traveling or you're going to feel really tired and everything. But we're talking about, you know, the ma- the majority of the time. We could say we're talking about the 80-20 rule. So let's shoot for 80% of the time. And certainly if you're having struggles with milk supply and that sort of thing, you want to be more vigilant about this. And those are instances that feel really unfair. Like one woman can get away with 80-20 when I have to, you know, be 100% on. Uh, But all of us are given different challenges in life. And so some moms, this is going to be more difficult for them. But again, you, if you're one of those moms, you really deserve to have this information. So you want to make sure that you're eating well. And that really, I guess that starts with eating enough. So let's start the Start the real deal here. Phoenix is opinionated on this. He thinks eating enough is super important. But eating enough. This is one of the biggest things that I see, even with moms who've had a great pregnancy diet, often with moms who've had a great pregnancy diet. So you've eaten super well throughout your pregnancy. And then your baby comes and life gets turned upside down. Those early weeks with the new baby, those are they're just intense. They're really, really intense. I can remember after Phoenix was born and... Gosh, he was like, you know, he's like six, eight weeks old, ten weeks old, and I'm still like feeling super flustered trying to get out of the house with him. And it's, you know, he's my eighth baby, and I'm talking about just with him too. He's my eighth baby. I've done this seven times before, and I still find it super overwhelming to try and get out of the house with this kid. Yeah, with you. Um, fortunately, I can say now, as the, as I'm recording this, he's five months old, um, and I can say now that we've kind of gotten it down. It doesn't feel quite so harried, but at first it was tough. Like, so having a new baby, even in the first few months, it's really tough. I'm sorry that he's being really loud. Um, and, and so it can be tough to even find time to eat. To think about taking care of yourself because you're just so busy taking care of this baby. It may even be that you're so busy um, even nursing this baby. And you're like, how can I find time to eat to make better milk when all I'm doing all day is being an all-day endless milk bar? So, and that's, you know, that's a challenge. It's a challenge. I'm not going to deny that. But you need to make it a priority to find ways to eat. So this can be a place where a partner, uh, family, friends may be helpful, especially in the early weeks. But even as things go along, a partner, one of the things that I suggest to moms who need to take it easy at the end of their pregnancy, um, aren't able to get up and about as much, or have had a threatened miscarriage or something, is I suggest that they have their partner prepare some things for them in the morning so that they can grab it out of the fridge. Or I've had a couple clients who have been advised to be on bed rest or a couple students who have been advised to be on bed rest. And, you know, have have your husband prepare like a cooler for you with sandwiches and things like that that are just good nourishing um, and nutrient-dense foods like sandwiches that have um, plenty of animal foods, so meats and cheeses, eggs, salads that have um, lots of deep, deep green veggies, uh, deep fruits like blueberries or strawberries, perhaps along with steak strips or chicken strips or hard-boiled egg, those sorts of things, so that really... 
you're just getting all this nutrient-dense food and it's there for you. That can be something that's really helpful while breastfeeding. It could even be something that you do for yourself. So if you get up um, at a, you know, get up in the morning and you go in the kitchen and just get this stuff ready so that it's, it's there for you throughout the day. And I'm all for being simple. You know, I think that sandwiches or wraps or that sort of thing is just fine if that's all you can manage. But let's make sure that those things are as nutrient dense as they can possibly be and that they're easy. So they're easy to grab, easy to eat, easy to get what you need when you need to get it. Um, and try, try and have three meals a day. And I think especially in the early weeks, sticking with two snacks a day still is a good idea. The early weeks is not the time to worry about losing weight, getting back to your pre-baby weight. Now is the time to worry about building your milk supply. So Three solid meals a day, two snacks. You could probably let go of the evening snack if you've been having that. But if you really feel like you need it, don't feel guilty about it right now. But make sure that you're getting enough. Because many, 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 many moms who come to me who are struggling with breastfeeding and milk supply and feeling overwhelmed, um, postpartum depression, anything like that, they're just not getting enough to eat. And so that's the first thing to look at. Make sure you're eating enough. Another thing to do is to make sure that you're drinking enough. Make sure you're staying hydrated. Many moms feel really thirsty when they're nursing, and you should honor that. Definitely have something to drink nearby you. Um, some water or nourishing fluids like broths, uh, milk, that sort of thing are also good options. So eat enough. And you've heard me say it several times already. Look at the nutrient density of your food. So this is a this would be another good time to go back and listen to the last episode, episode 135, where Lily talked to us about what the evidence says about an, a nourishing pregnancy diet. And she talked about the micronutrient levels of different foods and how important it is to get the foods that are really packed with micronutrients that are packed with nutrition. And for the most part, what we know is that those foods tend to be animal foods in origin. So things like like eggs, like meats, like high quality dairy products. Those uh, fish would be another one. So those are really good foods to get in because they just pack a lot of nutrition. I like to tell my students in mama baby birthing classes, to think of a piece of broccoli. And like if we took and we charted that piece of broccoli on a nutrient scale, like if we drew a little graph and we had our piece of broccoli graphed out and said that its nutrients went like halfway up the graph. And then we put, say, like a one ounce piece of liver on the graph and charted it. Its nutrient values would go, would crash through the ceiling on the graph and would go just sky high. So it would be off the charts, so to speak. Um, so we in our culture think about vegetables being nutrient-dense, and they are. They're nutrient-dense. Many fruits and vegetables, especially the deeper fruits, um, the deeper colored fruits like blueberries uh, or fruits like dates, which are packed with micronutrients, they really are nutrient dense. They have they have plenty of nutrients in them. They also tend to have really high antioxidant levels, which is a great thing. But animal foods really offer us a lot more as far as a nutrient punch goes. 
So that's something to consider, uh, especially if you want to improve the quality of your milk. Is is there a way that I can include animal foods? And like, even if you could do say fish and eggs. That would really help a lot. Fish are super nutrient dense, and we know for the most part that the benefits of fish outweigh uh, any of the negatives. And that as long as you're eating the smaller fish, like choosing salmon, um, and and not choosing things like um, shark and tilefish and those things that are kind of at the top of the fish food chain, so they're eating a lot of the other fish. You want to avoid those. But smaller fish like salmon, sardines. Those fish have tons of benefits, um, really with not no negatives. So that would be something. Or if you think, okay, well, I, I can't have dairy because I'm allergic, um, and you've explored that pasture dairy doesn't make a difference, then looking at fish might help. And, um, you know, if I can't have eggs, look at dairy, look at fish, um, look at quality pastured meats, those sorts of things. So, and again, also, again, on the nourishing fluids front, like things like homemade broths, like chicken broth or lamb broth or beef broth um, or stocks, chicken, lamb, beef stocks, whatever you want to call them, those things are going to be really nutrient dense. Um, and then also cultured foods like cultured dairy products are going to have the nutrient density as well as lots of enzymes and beneficial bacteria. Cultured vegetables, also really good nutrient powerhouses. So I want you to make sure that you're having especially the deeply colored veggies in your diet. I just, I don't want you to have the impression that, that, Eating plenty of veggies every day is eating a nutrient-dense superfood diet because it's really actually not. Based on what we know about the nutrients in the foods, it's the animal foods and the fish that really have the sky-high nutrient levels. And then the veggies bring those, especially if you eat the veggies um, fresh, you get the enzymes. So you get the enzymes, the antioxidants, the micronutrients that those veggies and some of the fruits bring as well. So really you want to have a well-rounded diet, but I want... I want to help people realize that animal foods are really nutrient dense for women in their childbearing years. They help make healthy babies and healthy breast milk. So you want to eat enough. You want to eat nutrient dense foods. And of course, it's good to avoid fillers. So avoid lots and lots of carbohydrate and stuff like that that just fills you up without giving you lots of nutrition. Now, some moms will lose weight while breastfeeding. Like all of us think, oh, that's wonderful. I want to lose weight while breastfeeding. But some moms will like not be able to keep weight on while breastfeeding just because their metabolism is fast and breastfeeding burns calories and they have trouble, like they end up being underweight. And if that's the case for you, then I want you to make sure that you have more carbohydrate in your diet because carbs are going to help your body keep weight on. So if you feel like you lose too much weight while breastfeeding, while many of us are feeling jealous of you, you also need to take care of yourself. So make sure that you're including more carbohydrates. But for many of us, Carbs are not the most nutrient-dense foods to get, so they should make a smaller portion of our calories. Um, and then speaking of that, fats are another really important thing to have in your diet. So fats are super important. You may know that some vitamins are fat-soluble, so vitamin A, vitamin D, vitamin E, vitamin K. Those are all fat-soluble vitamins, which means that if you don't have fat, you can't absorb those vitamins. 
So you need to make sure that your sources of those vitamins are coming along with the fat. And interestingly, most of those vitamins come in a package that includes fat. For example, vitamin E is pretty rich in fish oils, and fish oil is fat. So fish come with fat. Uh, if we think about vitamin A, that's really high in liver. Uh, so liver, actually liver doesn't really have all that much fat on it, but people often end up eating liver with other parts of the animal. Um, and that can help, you know, make it more fatty. Like for example, the pate recipe that my family loves is liver and eggs and onions. And so you get that good fat from your eggs as well. Eggs again, have some fat. Um, another good source of vitamin A can be pasture dairy products. So like if you're having full fat milk or full fat yogurt or full fat kefir, again, you're going to be getting the fat with the vitamins. Something that many people don't know, however, you know, people know that there are fat soluble vitamins and water soluble vitamins, but many people don't realize that most antioxidants are also fat soluble. So if you're eating that beautiful colorful salad, but you don't really have any fat with it, then you're not benefiting from that antioxidant level that you're supposed to be getting because your body can't absorb and use the antioxidants without the fat. So you want to make sure that you're getting good, healthy fats. Another thing is as many moms who are eating a lower fat diet and struggling with milk quality or milk supply, when they add more fat in, they notice visible differences in their milk supply. So this is an N equals one kind of thing. This is anecdotal. I haven't looked to see if there's a study about this, but so many moms have told me uh, that they notice a difference in their milk when they're eating more fat. They see a thicker cream line on their milk and they see they see more of the fatty hind milk and less of the watery fore milk when they're eating plenty of food and including healthy fats in their diet. So healthy fats can be animal fats, it can be fish oils, also coconut oil, palm oil, avocados, olives, olive oil. Those are all healthy fats, so you can get healthy fats from, um, from both animal and vegetable foods. So really we want a variety of those foods in our diet. We don't want to forget any of them. And the reason why I'm talking about the animal foods is because those, those are the foods that we're usually told, oh, no, no, those are horrible for you, when in reality, they're not horrible for you. And I don't want to sound like a conspiracy theorist or anything, and I'm a, definitely a fan of capitalism because I'm a small business owner, but, um, but when we look at the foods that are touted heavily on government eating plans, um, they're foods that that tend to benefit a corporate profit because long-term storage grains and cereal products and things like that, uh, they, they may have some corporate profit behind them. So we'll, we'll, we'll stop with that. Okay. So, you know, you need to eat enough. You want to eat nutrient dense foods. You want to get plenty of healthy fats. If you find that you do lose a lot of weight while breastfeeding, um, make sure that you're getting enough carbohydrate to help keep, you know, to keep that some fat storage on you because it's important as you're nursing your baby that you don't keep losing weight. Um, okay, now let's talk specifically about foods that may help increase your milk supply. So these are particular foods to look at uh, and to enjoy that may, that may be helpful to milk supply. So one is dark beer. 
Um, so it's hops in beer that helps possibly increase milk supply for some women. And dark beers are rich in hops. Guinness is a brand in particular to consider. I am not a beer fan, and I personally think that Guinness is disgusting. <laughs> so that's not one that's ever appealed to me. But I know that some of you are fans, and so uh, enjoying, you know, enjoying a tall one or a short one or whatever could possibly help boost milk supply. Uh, and along similar lines, another thing is malt Ovaltine. So Ovaltine is like a, a mixed drink that you are like a, you know, it's kind of like Nestle Quick or whatever. It's a drink that you would have had when you were a kid. Um, and it's chocolatey. So you can mix it in milk or with water. But malt Ovaltine, the malt, again, is something that can help uh, boost milk supply. So malt and hops. So dark beer and malt Ovaltine. Almonds in particular are a nut that has been shown to possibly help increase milk supply as well as other nuts. So going back to talking about healthy fats, nuts are packed with healthy fats. So uh, nuts and almonds in particular are something that might be useful. Uh, on the herbal side of things, fennel and fenugreek can help. Most people will not eat fennel alone, though you can prepare fennel. Um, in dishes, you'll find recipes that call for, for chopped up fennel and then especially used as a seasoning. Fenugreek, I don't really know that we find anything other than mother's milk tea and mother's milk cookies um, that that are used with, that use fenugreek. Um, so most mom's milk teas include fennel and fenugreek. If you, like if a mother's milk cookie recipe often includes both of those. So those are something that you can have in a tea or added to a baked good that might help boost milk supply. Oatmeal is one that many women notice helps increase milk supply. And I think that oatmeal is a great thing to try because it's a vehicle for many other good things. So you can have oatmeal, like have a big bowl of rich oatmeal in the morning and have butter and cream and berries in there and a little bit of sweetener. And you have uh, a breast milk powerhouse. So you're getting the oats, which are good for your milk supply getting some butter and cream, which gives you those really healthy, high-quality fats, um, getting the blueberries or strawberries or something that's giving you a lot of antioxidants. This was one thing. I personally have noticed that oatmeal helps to boost my milk supply. When Galen, my fourth baby, was over a year, he, he had um, feeding problems, like he couldn't eat solid foods. I've talked about this before. And so really he was getting my milk and I desperately did not want to have to supplement him with anything else while we were going through therapy to help um, correct the, the physiological problems with his esophagus and swallowing and everything. Um, so I just really, really, really ramped up my nutrition to boost my milk supply, to boost the, the calorie content of my milk supply and... Um, and oatmeal really made a big difference. I had a big bowl of loaded oatmeal every morning. And, and one of the things that I did was I nursed him and I also pumped uh, as much as I could because, and then I would give him the warmed pumped milk in a sippy cup with coconut oil and stuff added into it just again to get him some more calories. And I noticed when I started the oatmeal that my pumped milk looked a lot richer and better 
when I was eating the oatmeal for breakfast than it did on the days that I didn't. So that was pretty interesting to me. Um, and many other women have noticed the same thing. Another good uh, food, and this one kind of goes along with the almonds and the oatmeal, but it's quinoa, which you cook like a grain. It's actually a seed. So it's a complete protein, uh, but most people use it like a grain. You could use it in any recipe that calls for couscous, many recipes that call for rice. You can substitute quinoa. I really like it. Uh, Scott's, Scott's not as much of a fan of it. I think most of the kids like it. Um, I really like it. But that one also boosts milk supply. Some people like to saute it a little bit before they cook it, like in a saucepan. Uh, I guess almost roasting it first because they feel like it helps with the flavor. But I like it just cooked in the rice cooker. But that would be another one that you can add in as your grain portion on your meals. Uh, another thing is is warming stews. So this is going to this notion that especially as postpartum women, we want really warming, nourishing, nutrient-dense things. And stews are a great choice, especially if you put them in the crock pot, say overnight, like when you're getting dinner ready Thursday night, you put like a bone-in roast in the crock pot um, and put some broth in there, maybe some chicken broth or something in there with it. You put your tomatoes, your chopped veggies, uh, your onions, a little garlic, all that stuff, and then just let it simmer until the next night, especially if it's bone in. You're going to be pulling out a lot of nutrients from that bone. The nutrients from the meat are going to seep into the stew along with all the veggies and everything. And it's just really hearty, really filling. If you're trying to stay a little bit lower carb, you don't you don't need to put potatoes or anything into it. I like putting like cutting the stems off of radishes and then putting radishes in whole. They lose their spice, quote unquote, their kick in the stew, um, and they look like little potatoes. So if you've got somebody who really feels like stews should include potatoes, then the radishes look like little potatoes at the end of it, and they just kind of taste like the stew because they, they get infused with all those flavors. But anyways, just those like warming and thick stews, and you can even taken like a half an hour before serving, um, stir some spinach into there, or you could ser serve a salad on the side to again get those good micronutrients from the deep green veggies. And then you're also going to be getting all the nutrients and all the goodness in that long stewed broth and the, you know, the veggies and the meats and things that have been soaking in that, that the stew base that's been gaining all those nutrients. So anyways, just warming stews a couple times a week would be a really good idea. As I'm recording this, the weather is chill outside, so that sounds appealing. I know in the middle of the summer, it doesn't sound quite as appealing. But those sorts of meals are meals that are going to be really, really good for you. So a fish a couple times a week, warming stews a couple times a week, um, those are going to be really good for you. Again, you want to make sure that you're getting those micronutrient powerhouses. So you want to have things like like berries, like the dark leafy green veggies, uh, spinach, kale, which I'm still working on getting our family to like. Feel free to submit ideas for kale recipes that are that are totally Burgess proof because I haven't found one yet. But anyways, um, you know, spinach, kale. Um, microgreens if you're at a cold time of year can grown in like an organic farms microgreens can still really pack a lot of nutritional punch those sorts of things are gonna 
give you those trace minerals, those micronutrients. Dates are another good choice. You may have eaten dates at the end of your pregnancy. They're really rich in micronutrients, lots of trace minerals in them. So that could be a good idea to have dates here and there throughout the week. Probably don't need to do quite as many as you did at the end of pregnancy. But again, we're looking for what's, you know, what's really, really, really nutrient dense. What's really going to just nourish the body and give us what we need. So you want to have those animal foods, but you also want to make sure that you're getting the, the deeply colored veggies in that have the, the micronutrients and the trace minerals and those sorts of things. Another trace mineral source is to have a good quality salt, like a good quality sea salt that's not filtered out all the extra like it hasn't purified to purify out all the trace minerals. Um, real salt, which is, I want to say it's harvested in the southwest United States, but I don't remember which state um, from ancient salt mines. There is another one that they don't, um, you know, they don't filter their salt or purify the salt. So it's only um, sodium. It has other trace minerals in it. So that would be another thing to include. And then healthy fats, which we already talked about, some options for healthy fats. So those are food-based ideas to help you boost your milk supply. I also do want to say, because I feel like it's important not to leave it just with food, I think that food can make a difference, but I actually read... Um, I read a, a blog post on the Boob Geek a while ago. I'll, I'll see if I can link to it in the show notes about um, why the lactation consultant doesn't recommend foods or herbs that boost milk supply, which are um, called galactagogues. Why she doesn't recommend them is because people often eat those and think, okay, that's what I need to do to milk to boost milk supply. But there, but there are often other things going on, and I think there's some validity to that. So if you're struggling with milk supply, I definitely recommend that you do these things that I talked about. I honestly think that diet makes a big difference. That it's going to make a big difference for you and your baby and for your milk supply. But I also want you, especially if you're truly struggling with supply to get support and get plenty of help to figure out what's going on. Um, so one thing is is to nurse baby often and to have baby skin to skin. That really does do something hormonal. Um, and if you're struggling with milk supply, if it's possible, like dedicate yourself to just being with your baby skin to skin and minimize your other responsibilities for a while. So... If you've got little ones running around, maybe do this similar recommendation I make if you're at the beginning of your pregnancy and struggling with morning sickness or fatigue. Let's use baby gates liberally, close doors, pare down the level of toys so that you can chill out on the couch and your little ones can run around and the mess that they can make is at least contained to that room and there's not too, too many toys um, and then you just sit with the baby, kind of skin to skin, maybe wearing a button-up shirt so that you can, um, you know, so that you can keep baby on your skin and still feel like you've got some level of modesty if that's important to you. If you're okay with nothing on, then that's great too. 
But um, keep baby dressed to a diaper. Use blankets to keep the two of you cozy. Just lots of skin-to-skin -skin time. Lots of nursing time. Sometimes, especially in the early days, if you can just take baby to bed with you for the weekend. Um, just binge on Netflix or read lots of books and have baby in bed with you. And just nurse, 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 nurse. That can give your body the signal that, hey, you know, hey, we got to make some milk. So... Getting lots and lots of nursing time, lots and lots of skin-to-skin -skin time gives your body the cue to make more milk. Now, another thing that can be going on with milk supply is milk transfer. So if the baby's not really nursing effectively, then that's something to look at. And I would encourage you to work with a lactation consultant um, or work with a pediatrician who's super breastfeeding friendly. And they can really help you evaluate what's going on with the baby can we get the baby to where he or she is nursing more effectively? Because sometimes babies will struggle um, just with a poor latch. And for whatever reason, milk isn't being transferred. Sometimes it might be a tongue tie. Phoenix actually had a tongue tie that we had revised. Um, and I don't think I talked about that a little bit on my videos, but I don't think I've talked about it on the podcast. So maybe I'll try and see if I can find a tongue tie expert or something to come on for the podcast if y'all would be interested in that. But there are various things that can be going on. Sometimes a chiropractic adjustment or a craniosacral adjustment can be helpful for, um, uh, for helping with problems that babies have with alignment and stuff and having issues with latch. So if the problem seems to be a milk transfer problem, then it's really good to work with somebody knowledgeable who can help you guys get that corrected because then often your milk supply will correct as well. So those are some things to try in addition to the to the foods. You can also try a supplement. I mentioned mother's milk tea. Um, Gaia Herbs has, I think it's called lactate or lactation support. It's a supplement that you take in pill form. I've used that personally before uh, when I started a heavy exercise regime when Honor, my fifth baby, was probably 10 months old or something and my milk supply kind of tanked. Um, so I realized that I had overdone it a bit and I also used that supplement and found that it helped bring my milk supply back up. Um, so that's one I can recommend because I know that it's been helpful to me. You might find others, but the same caveat with that as with the food and stuff is also make sure that baby's latching well um, and that there's, uh, you know, that you're working with somebody who can help evaluate latch, who can help see if there's a milk transfer problem because your body needs proper stimulation. It needs the milk being taken out. Uh, and so sometimes working with the team can really help you troubleshoot and figure those things out and persevere for baby. But keep in mind everything that I've talked about for food and know that that can and does make a big difference. I actually have a full class um, on breastfeeding, the Smart Mama's Guide to Breastfeeding Made Simple, where we talk a lot about breastfeeding. We talk about uh, baby-directed breastfeeding, kind of biological nurturing type things. Um, there's a video series in there about, about some things about nursing. So if you want to check that out, you can check it out at birthbabylife.com slash simple breastfeeding. birthbabylife.com slash simple breastfeeding. You can get that class. You have lifetime access. So you can watch the videos at your leisure, maybe while you're having a skin-to-skin -skin binge with baby. Um, I would love to have you in there. And you can shoot me any questions via email. I would love to see you there. I will talk to you next week. 
on the next podcast episode. And until that time, I hope that you have a blessed week. Thanks for listening to the Birth, Baby and Life podcast with Kristen Burgess. For great resources and tons more info, visit www.birthbabylife.com. Visit www.birthbabylife.com.